So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this is the 21st of August. It's the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and I usually introduce Shane Ambrose, uh, who helps me with presentation of the podcast each week. Shane couldn't join me at the time of recording, but has um, forwarded on some uh, recordings of both the Saints for the Week and his Gospel Reflection today, which we'll play later on. But in the meantime... We want to welcome especially those listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way. And our listeners, of course, who support us each week in prayer. Thank you so much indeed for that. Our weekly podcast does include interviews about faith topics, inspirational music and reflection on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.buzzspread.com on our blog, sacredspace102.blogspot.com on Spotify, iTunes, and we do have our presence on Facebook at Come and See Inspirations. If you'd like to contact us, please do so by texting us on 087-6088-667. 087-6088-667. Outside of Ireland, 003538-7. Or by email, and that's on Come and See Inspirations at gmail.com. Now, at this point of our podcast, we'd invite Shane to share some saints for the week for us this week. Thanks, Shane. So, on this week, as John has said, we are in the 21st week in Ordinary Time. So, today is the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. So, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week one. Now, looking ahead at the Celestial Guides uh, for the coming week... A um, couple of breakfast warnings probably for people uh, would probably be appropriate at this stage, uh, just in terms of some of the saints that we have for this week. So first up on Monday, on the 22nd of August, we have the feast day of the Queenship of Mary. Now, um, technically for Irish people, this is actually the date of the apparition at Knock, the 22nd of August. But because the Queenship of Mary is the feast that's there, um, that takes precedence. It's a Marian feast day decreed by Pius XII in 1954 55 at the end of the Marian year. But it's actually building on a devotion which is there since the earliest days of the church and which reaches high point of the Middle Ages, recognizing Mary as being Queen of the Angels and the Saints. Um, um, Pius XII prescribed the memorial for the Universal Church, as I said, in 1955, and it's placed on this date to stress the connection of Mary's queenship with the Assumption. Tuesday the 23rd, then, is the feast day of St. Rose of Lima in Peru. Uh, she is a Dominican saint and one of the first saints born in the Americas. Um, she died in 1617 in Lima, in Peru, of natural causes. She was born to Spanish immigrants, a very devout, and became a Dominican tertiary in 1606. She was seen as a mystic, visionary, said to have received the invisible, invisible stigmata, and um, founder of social work in Peru. And as I said, she died in 1617. Uh, as well as that, then, on the Irish calendar, we have the feast day of St. Eugene, uh, or Owen. Um, so he's associated very much with the Diocese of, uh, just give me one second, so, 6th century saint, so, and lived, uh, taken by pirates to Britain, I should say, apologies. On obtaining his free freedom, he studied in Catinda Casa, and returning to Ireland, he made a foundation at Kilnamanach in the Wicklow Hills. 
but his principal foundation was at Ard Strahr, Ard Straha in County Tyrone. So that's St. Eugene or St. Owen, whose feast day we celebrate also on the 23rd of August. Then on the 24th of August, this is the one with the um, the breakfast warning in particular, it's the feast day of St. Bartholomew the Apostle. Now, his name only occurs in the synopt- in the Synoptic Gospels in the list of apostles, uh, generally identified with Nathaniel of Cana as being the same person. Um, preached by tradition, he preached the gospel in India. He's the patron saint of plasterers, tanners, and letter workers. Now, why he's associated with being with those is because his martyrdom, he was flayed alive. So basically, his 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 skin was taken off him. Now, it's an interesting one because if you are in the Basilica of Saint John in Laterno, John Lateran. Uh, they have the 12 apostles. They have massive statues of 12 apostles up each side of the main aisle of the basilica. And the statue of St. Bartholomew is rather alarming because it shows him almost like a skeleton. Uh, well, you can see his muscles uh, because his skin is draped around his shoulders. So as I said, um, a bit gruesome to say the least, but all of the apostles except St. John suffered martyrdom of some shape, shape, form or description. The 25th of August is the feast day of St. Louis of France, died in 1270. A king of France, he fathered 11 children. He was regarded as being a man of integrity and he died in Tunisia on his way to the Second Crusade. He's regarded as being a patron of the French monarchy and of barbers, oddly enough. Then Friday the 26th of uh, August, now we're going to Poland, and it is the feast day of Our Lady of Czestochowa, I think is how you pronounce it. It's a a beautiful uh, icon of Our Lady, which is housed at the monastery in Czestochowa in Poland. And in it, Mary is dressed in fluidly robes and, as always, is pointing her hand towards Jesus, where and Jesus, the child Jesus is raising his hand in benediction. The icon was created around 1430, possibly older, as early as the 6th century. Um, it is very much associated with Poland and is one of the great uh, devotional sites in Poland itself. Um, it's the, the the icon itself has been crowned. It's a crowned icon, and Our Lady has been crowned Queen of Poland. Uh, there's been a number of canonical coronations, uh, including the last one by John Paul II in 2005. Then finally, on Saturday, we have the feast day of Saint Monica. Monica died in 387, and famous, of course, as being the mother of Saint Augustine and bringing him to Christianity through her prayers and her tears. She's the patron saint of mothers. So that's what we have this week in terms of our celestial guides and ons and ins. Thanks. And before we go for our first bit of music, the little prayer that I picked up this week, which might be opportune, it being um, the week when we celebrate the Queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary on Monday tomorrow. This is um, a prayer, again, it's a prayer to our Blessed Mother. Take my hand, O Blessed Mother. Hold it gently, lest I fall. I'm nervous when I'm walking, so to thee I humbly call. Guard me over every crossing. Watch me while I'm on the stairs. Help me with my understandings. Lessen many of my cares. Then when darkness falls around me, and I fear to be alone, take my hand, O Blessed Mother, once again, and lead me home. And with that, we'll go for our first bit of music this morning. Picked a piece of music this morning by um, Regina Nathan and the Irish Philharmonic Orchestra and the singing Hell Queen of Heaven. 
So back and join us in part two.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Kelly. Today we said we'd bring you a few more reflections on prayer from the Glenstall uh, monks, from the monks of Glenstall, should I say. The first one this morning would be is entitled Difficulties in Prayer, and this is reflected uh, for us by Father Columba. And we follow this with a piece of music, I Want to Praise You, Lord. And that's from the Maranatha Singers. We're listening to a podcast from Glenstall Abbey. Sometimes prayer is difficult. There are difficulties in prayer. And so what I'd like to do in these few minutes is to point out some classic difficulties that we often may have and to suggest some helpful ways of um, of thinking about those and perhaps um, finding a remedy. Sometimes prayer is boring. And I suppose it's a good idea just to remember that when we're with our friends, sometimes we're bored as well. When we're with our family, we can be bored. We can be bored at work. So boredom is actually part of life. Um, another issue is, I suppose, you know, the more we hand our lives over to God, the more our lives will really turn into an adventure. And so life is likely to get less boring, and so will our prayer. And sometimes it's just a matter of being tired. So maybe the thing to do is to express to God that you are tired or bored and to make that your offering, that be your small gift to God. God loves every part of you, including your tiredness and your boredom. Sometimes we're distracted in prayer. And that means, means I suppose, if we to be very honest, that the love of God really hasn't quite overwhelmed us yet. Um, that there are other things that we actually find more interesting and more attractive than God. Uh, and they keep coming back to us. So there's a, a measure of honesty when you find yourself uh, distracted. All the experts say the one thing uh, we should try to avoid is when we, when we notice we're distracted is don't beat yourself up about it. Getting angry and getting annoyed and getting all het up because I'm distracted yet once more only adds more distracting energy into the pot when you're praying. So they all say, when you're distracted, be very gentle uh, turning back to God. If distractions persist, if it's some particular issue that keeps on coming back into your mind, uh, a good way of dealing with that is to, to speak to God about the distraction. Turn your distraction into a prayer. If there's something that's really on your mind, it's important to you. And God likes us to share everything that is important to us. And if we share what's important to us with God, we will find sooner or later God will return the gesture. Another issue for many of us could be that we find no connection with God in our prayer at times. And there could be various reasons for that. Sometimes it's uh, that there's something in the way you're living your life which is actually contradicting your prayer. Let's take an obvious example from ordinary human living. A man kisses his wife and says, I love you. But he's also cheating on her. So there's no connection going on when he kisses and says, I love you. That's a rather extreme example. But uh, something uh, slightly similar can be happening in our lives where our lives are actually uh, not in harmony with what we're actually saying or thinking or trying to say or think in our prayer. 
our lives obviously will always fall short of the ideal. So I think there's no need to get uh, het up and anxiously dig for dirt in your life if you uh, feel no connection with God. It's just that sometimes there's something rather obvious that needs to be put right. Another reason why we sometimes feel no connection with God is that we're actually holding ourselves back from God in prayer. Sometimes we instinctively censor the more painful aspects of our lives or we don't express them to God. So maybe I'm disappointed with God or afraid of God or angry with God, or maybe I don't trust God. Um, and maybe my prayer is to actually say that and to express it and uh, to, to be real with God. Because if I'm holding back myself from God, then of course the, the connection is going to be pretty weak. Um, so sometimes we are the ones who are being distant from God uh, because we're actually censoring uh, who we are. And you just have to look at the, the book of Psalms to see so many different expressions, not just of the nice, lovey-dovey, pious things, but all the painful, squalid aspects of human life are expressed there too. It could also be sometimes uh, God uh, feels uh, very distant and we have no connection. It's because actually God is uh, working very carefully with us and is actually bringing us to a new and deeper level of prayer. Um, yes, that the, the, maybe the more superficial uh, feelings of connection have gone now and God is weaning us onto something deeper. Uh, and so uh, our prayer may be eventually moving into something much, much, much more quiet. Um, and so I think uh, that that's also another possibility. Um, that God is in some way purifying you and uh, helping you to let go of um, some of the more superficial ways of praying. So I think all in all, the thing is uh, in prayer, be yourself, be uh, straightforward. Um, even simply putting in the time, making yourself available to God in prayer, even if it's dry and disappointing, is still a gift to God, which delights God and God will repay a hundredfold sooner or later. There is one uh, big piece of fake news that keeps on getting in our way in all of this, and that's the idea that God is not with us. Um, so if there's one idea maybe to always have at the back of our minds, particularly when prayer is um, difficult, is that God is always with us, and even more intensely so, uh, when we give time to prayer, whether we feel that presence or not.
Our second reflection and prayer this morning is entitled An Inherited Instinct and this is reflected for us by Father Finton. We follow that with a final piece of music for this section of the podcast and it's entitled Come and Worship and that's by Mark Forrest. We're listening to a podcast from Glenstall Abbey. Prayer Inherited Instinct Psalm 148 urges all creation, including beasts, wild and tame, to praise the Lord. So we can take it that there is capacity to do so in all creation, including ourselves, what I think of as an inherited instinct. Certainly, I grew up regarding prayer as a normal part of living, giving access to another world that together with this one made up reality. Heaven was the destination to which all of life was moving. Monthly communion with the body of Christ was a brief presence of heaven here on earth. My parents were devout. Their unquestionable identity was deeply Catholic, like the generations before them. My father led the rosary in the evening, My mother, I believe, divided her life between her domestic concerns and a life of private prayer to which she retired in the afternoon. 
Prayer, if it has to be considered an inherited instinct, was also an essential part of daily life, and I never thought it could be otherwise, especially as my mother filled in any gaps in my awareness by reminding me of the importance of ejaculatory prayer, especially her favourite, Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in thee. To some extent I outgrew that kind of prayer when, as a seminarian, I learned from the breviary of piety a set of Latin prayers that have stayed with me all my life. Still, of course, formulaic prayer. I was slow to speculate as to what prayer might actually be. Of course, I read books on the subject, but a deep conviction has never faded that I know already. But something has happened over the years, a realization that it is not just a tuning in to heaven, but an encounter with a person. At first I thought of it as an address to God, relying on the fact that Jesus had said, When you pray, say, Father. So I used the appropriate framework of faith, hope, and charity to direct my prayer in a neat allocation that took account of the trinity of persons. But the passing years and some growth in awareness of who I am, who has dared to address God, has brought me back to an earlier instinct and practice. It has been a gradual and costly process, because for a time I tried to absorb the teaching of the the contemporary experts on centering prayer, which required not only a state of mind reduced to silence, but also consciousness of a state of being, a sense of belonging that so often eludes me. I subscribe to the dictum that one cannot know God without knowing oneself, or know oneself without knowing God so my prayer must be some kind of mutual process. I think dialogue is too strong a word for something that goes beyond words. Knowing myself to some extent, I now know that my prayer can only be at bottom a response to the God who sent his Son to save me from my self-centeredness. As the sinner that I am, I have to place all my trust in him whose heart was pierced for me. And so I have made the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Saviour, have mercy on me, a sinner, my way of giving meaning to a lifelong practice.
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. And at this point in our recording of our podcast, we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, there's a prayer we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. And Shane recorded that for us earlier. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, and that our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So the Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verse 22 to 30. Through towns and villages, Jesus went teaching, making his way to Jerusalem. Someone said to him, Sir, will there be only a few saved? He said to them, Try your best to enter by the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and will not succeed. Once the master of the house has got up and locked the door, you may find yourself knocking on the door, saying, Lord, open to us. But he will answer, I don't know where you come from. Then you will find yourself saying, We once ate and drank in your company. You taught in our streets. But he'll reply, I do not know where you come from. Away from me, all you wicked men. Then there'll be weeping and grinding of teeth. 
when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves turned outside. And men from the east and west, from north and south, will come to take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Yes, there are those now last who will be first, and now first who will be last. So that's the gospel for today, for the uh, 21st Sunday in ordinary time. And now we can listen to a recorded reflection on this gospel by Shane. So we have this week's gospel, uh, as you said, John, and it's reading from Luke. And it very much continues on the journey that we've been having with Luke over the last number of weeks. And dealing with Luke's presentation of, I suppose, Jesus's message about um, basically those who will be saved. That's a very old fashioned kind of a term, our, our, our discussion, I suppose. And it, it's not one that many people are comfortable with. And it's also one which can generate a lot of um, online discussion, both good and bad. Uh, in preparation for this uh, reflection, I was just looking to see what did Bishop Barron have on the Word on Fire Ministry. And that's actually his open li- opening line for his reflection. He doesn't like preaching on this particular gospel because it poses, I suppose, a um, couple of challenges to our modern world and people's interpretation of it. And I suppose that the idea being that though there are many few will be saved is is kind of a hard one for us to get our head around, particularly in the modern age, this when, you know, everything is like, well, you'll be fine, I'll be fine, we're all good together. Um, and there's very much kind of this focus on um, more the openness of the message of Christ. Uh, but people kind of forget this bit as well in terms of saying that, you know, there is a path, it's a narrow door, but not everyone will be able to get through it. I suppose there's a couple of ways, I suppose, that we could we could approach that. Um, I suppose the first thing, I suppose, would be to say that, you know, you know the, the message is a bit stark um, uh, because Jesus advises the questioner to be ready to enter through the narrow door because not everyone who tries to do so will succeed. You know, we can knock on the door, but admission is at the master's discretion. And what the master decides is the master's business. And sometimes in the modern world, we kind of tend to lose sight of that ever so slightly. Um, but I suppose the first thing is to say is there is a path to salvation, you know, and that's that's what we're talking about in terms of faith. Um, there is, it's there, it's, it's difficult, which we've been picking up and talking about in the last number of weeks in terms of the reflections that we've been doing in terms of our Lexio. Um, but if there was no door, you know, things would be a little more difficult. Um, But I suppose it's also reminding us that it's not going to be a case of just rocking up at the pearly gates and St. Peter is going to let you in necessarily, you know. Um, Some of us may get there through different paths and through different doors. Um, I suppose the other thing to think about it is that it's not just one door per se. Well, it's it's one door, but it gets to, you know, it's a door, it's a narrow door where to get us into where we final salvation. But I suppose the recognition is that, uh, particularly since the Second Vatican Council, that different faith journeys, when done in sincerity, all have particular uh, openings to the Spirit. Uh, while obviously Catholic Church believes that it has the ultimate way to salvation, which is Jesus' way, truth, and life. Um 
the other side of the thing, I suppose, is 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 the other question I suppose that it poses for us is very much around the idea of, you know, what is this narrow path? I suppose you know, um, it's it's following and looking at the examples that Jesus has shown us what the kingdom of God is like. Um, you know, it's it's there, and we're asked to strive to achieve it, and requires us to make an inner transformation. Um, you know, doors are transition places between one place and another. Um, but obviously, it's not focusing necessarily on the door, but on the journey through the door, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to move forward, not to remain in a dead place. The other thing that struck me about it, of course, was this, I suppose, it's a reminder to us not to be complacent, um, which we can be. And it demands that we grow in our awareness and the responsibility we have for that inner freedom that we are given, recognizing there are many obstacles and distractions that can prevent us from progressing. Um, you know, to ask who will be saved misses the point slightly. Jesus says people will be welcomed from east and west, from north and south. The path is open to all. And not just a select few, but the fact is the path is narrow and you have to stick with it. Um, and I suppose it poses a question for us like, what are the obstacles that are there for us in terms of getting into the narrow door? What are the things that are in our way in terms of our spiritual life, in terms of our prayer life? What are the questions we need to pose ourselves about our relationship with others and with God? So as we reflect on this Sunday's Gospel... It is a bit more of a challenging one again this week from Luke. And it's one that would make you a bit uncomfortable, I think. I think it'd be fair to say. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't sit and read it and read it and read it again and dialogue with it as we do our Lexio. So thanks again for that, Shane. So the gospel message for me today is to stay focused on the ultimate goal. That's to get to live in eternity with God in heaven forever. I made many changes. Uh, I made many challenges and struggles in my journey, and we need all the support I can get. The world we live in prefers that life should be lived more or less as we choose, do whatever we like. But we read in today's gospel that as Jesus makes his way through towns and villages, teaching, that he is on his way to Jerusalem and death. Yet he does not take the easier path but continues to preach his message, which includes teaching us to live by his values. By his example, I am challenged to stay focused and following his teaching, rather than the values presented by the world. Maybe just to finish off today, a little quote from Michael de Vettai. Lord, prevent us from becoming complacent about our entering the kingdom of God. Teach us to wait as we go on through life. Tell us how to stand by with humility so that we can truly enter by a door that is very narrow. We know that many will try to enter and will not succeed. We therefore must adapt the right attitude of combined self-assurance and humble awareness of where we stand. So that's the thoughts of myself and Shane this week for the Gospel for the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. And thanks again to Shane for recording um both the Saints for the Week and also a Gospel Reflection with us. So now we come to a final piece of music, and this one is by Hillsong United, and this one is entitled 
turn your eyes upon Jesus. So to next week, God bless. Enjoy the week. And we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye now.